This last Sunday, Bill Hansberger came to me and he told me about an elementary school in Johnson County, Kentucky. They were performing Charles Schultz's A Charlie Brown Christmas. And the superintendent of schools, one Mr. Thomas Saylor, ruled that W.R. Case Elementary School was to refrain from quoting Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And those of you who are familiar with the classic animated tale, which came out, I think, in about 1964 or 65 by Charles Schultz, it features a very depressed Charlie Brown loudly quoting... What is Christmas all about? And since the children were forbidden from quoting the scripture, the audience of parents took their Bibles to the presentation and began to quote Luke chapter 2, verse 8, in unison... Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which is to all people even in secular schools. For there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in, in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. It seems interesting to me that we live in a world in some places where Jesus isn't welcome in his own story. Good grief. You know, the Christmas story is that first story of how God's son entered human history. Luke was a medical doctor and a historian, and, and he put great emphasis on dates and details. And the birth of Jesus brought Mary and Joseph from Nazareth, and the birth of Jesus brought angels from heaven, and the birth of Jesus brought shepherds from their fields. Perhaps the birth of Jesus at this great and wonderful time has brought you from some other place. 
My son Miguel and his family came from El Paso, Texas. And my son Jonathan and Carolyn, they came from, well, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, which is just outside of Charleston. Some of you have come from all over in order to participate with your family and, and friends. It's interesting to me that in verse 8 when it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. It's interesting when I reread this, I thought about if you wanted to make an important announcement, where would you go and what would you do when candidates decide to run for office or drop out? They usually have a press release or a media blitz. God's announcement doesn't come to the Roman emperor or the Roman senate or even to the religious elite of Jerusalem. The announcement begins with humble shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. And you may have missed this, but that means that they were awake. Some of you who are moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, sometimes you will stay awake while other people sleep. They're wide awake. They are awake when most people are asleep. This morning at about three o'clock in the morning, I heard almost a voice whispering in my ear, get up and write this down. So I did. The country shepherds keeping watch while children safely sleep concerned and conscious of their flock, entrusted to their keep, they're awake when normal people sleep. You see, in the night, sheep are vulnerable, and shepherds were tasked with protecting the flock and predators. You see, the shepherd's job was to protect the sheep and create an atmosphere where lambs could be born. But what do you suppose those lambs would be used for? Where would they go? And what would be their ultimate destination? The lambs in Bethlehem were being prepared for sacrifice in Jerusalem. You know, attending sheep made shepherds unclean under the strict standards of Jewish law. This meant that shepherds really couldn't attend synagogue or worship in the temple. We know the names of Joseph and Mary and Jesus, but we don't know the name of a single shepherd who was there that night. We know that they were important to God, and we know that they were important to the Christmas story. But when you read this story, have you ever said to yourself, how do I feel about shepherds? How do you? You might be thinking, well, I feel pretty good about shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd and Isaac and Jacob were shepherds. And Jesus even refers to himself as the great shepherd. But it may come as a surprise to you that shepherds were not admitted into respectable society in the first century of Judaism and the Jewish world. There were towns and villages that would often pass laws that severely restricted the comings and goings of shepherds. Shepherds were seen as being 
at the very lowest rung of Jewish society. Imagine you live in a world where you ask the question, well, what's the lowest rung in our society? Somebody might think of a janitor. Well, what's lower than a janitor? A janitor trainee. In this world and in this culture, the Jews stereotypically would picture shepherds as liars and thieves and degenerate people. Shepherds were so mistrusted that their testimony was inadmissible in courts of law. The religious establishment also took a very dim view of shepherds. Because of their job, they didn't often get to go to church. Their duties and responsibilities of tending the sheep made them unclean according to the law. And the Pharisees would lump prostitutes, tax collectors, and shepherds all in the same sentence. But God is sending angels to shepherds. Why do you suppose this is? I'm going to suggest to you it's way more than just sending his message of love and hope and redemption to someone on the outside. The shepherds were used to being shunned by the governments. They were used to being even despised by the religious establishment and even ridiculed by polite society. So who then would become shepherds? More often than not, a shepherd was a person who didn't have much time, much energy to devote to God or reading the Bible or going to church. Shepherds were often people who had already given up on the idea of religion. They'd already given up on the idea of God. They'd already given up on the idea of salvation because they weren't particularly liked. And so the events become even more surprising. God sends angels to people who had for the most part given up ever being accepted by God or loved by God or even loved by the people around them. And so it is that sometimes God will send angels to people who have given up on God. People you know, moms and dads and brothers and sisters who come from afar, but they rarely have time for church and they rarely have time for the Bible and they rarely have time for Jesus. And so God gives you a message, a message of hope, a message of grace, a message of mercy, a message of love. For some, it'll be an unwelcome message, but for others, in darkness, and brokenness, sometimes even in depression, they want a reason to believe that there's such a thing as hope. And in verse 9, look what it says. The, the, it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. Of course they're afraid. 
I suspect if the angel of the Lord appeared to you, it would generate some pretty profound feelings. But their fear will quickly be turned to awe and wonder and joy. We know that the Bible teaches that angels are spirit beings. They're usually invisible. And so here we have a situation where the angel becomes visible. The shepherds see what normally cannot be seen. They see what is normally invisible and unavailable. And so the shepherds remind us of something. And that is that sometimes God will allow us to see what's normally invisible and unavailable to the vast majority of people. And you can see for just a brief moment something that other people can't see. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which is to all people. They are greatly afraid, but the angels offer them comfort. The savior is close by and the shepherds did not need to simply go to the synagogue or even to the temple in Jerusalem to be near to God. And so the shepherds remind us of something else. The shepherds remind us that God is close by, even if you're not in church, even if you're far from God, even if it's been a very, very long time since you prayed. Good tidings, great joy. In verse 11, it says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. The Lord is going to give the world exactly what the world needs. On Sunday, I told the congregation that I get a Christmas card every year. And it always says if what the world needed most was buildings, God would have sent an engineer. And if what the world needed most was instruction, then God would have sent a teacher. If what the world needed most was healing, then God would have sent a physician. But God sent a savior. Because that's really what we need the most. The world needs what God is willing to provide you know, the name Jesus means God is salvation. It means Jehovah saves. The shepherds not only remind us that God is close by, but the shepherds remind us of just how thoughtful God really is. How thoughtful is he? Well, he gives us way more than we really need. Jesus is the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. And so God chooses shepherds tending lambs because they were the ones who were tasked with giving the Jewish people a symbol of sacrifice. They are going to be tasked to hear the good news of the Savior's birth. The shepherds remind us not only that God is near and not only that he's thoughtful, but the shepherds remind us just how faithful God really is. It says in verse 12, and this will be the sign to you. 
You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Peace, goodwill toward men. And so the, the shepherds worshiped the Lord. In verse 15, look what it says. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The angel's message brought comfort and grace and God's presence, but it also brought an opportunity to not only hear what the angel had to say, but to believe what the angel had to say. That's something else that the shepherd reminds us of. That no matter how outside, unliked, no matter how far outside of the circle some of us may have wandered, God has a message of hope. In verse 16, it says, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The word found is absolutely interesting in the original language. It means found after an intense and careful search. I find that interesting. The shepherds knew what to look for. A newborn babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger... And they found him. And they worshipped him. Jesus comes into the world helpless, vulnerable, a child lying in a feeding trough. This last Saturday, Sarah and my son Anthony had grandbaby number nine. And she came into this world perfect eyes, perfect nose, perfect pouty mouth, beautiful, but vulnerable, helpless, needy. I want you to think back and just for a moment, imagine that you're there. There are no magi there. Jesus is born among the lowly, and Jesus is born among the humble. By the way, if you have a manger scene at your house, those magi don't come for another couple of years. Really, if you want to be biblically accurate, you have to put them down by your mailbox and just let them walk towards the manger over about a two-year period until they finally get there. I also want to remind you that the angels have already left. And so Joseph and Mary hear the story from the shepherds. In verse 17, it says, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which they had said concerning the child. The shepherds witness the infant Savior. They become witnesses of his birth. And so the shepherds remind us of something else. The goodness of God. And what was the saying that they made known? What the angels had told them. Born this day in the city of David is a Savior. Christ the Lord. 
It's interesting to me that broken people and humble people and hurt people are sometimes so broken and so hurt that they can't even bring themselves to church. They won't come here and they won't be with us. So I pray that the Lord will lay some soul on your heart and that you would pray a prayer that maybe God could use you to love them, that you could play your part in telling them the truth and the good news. And in verse 18, it says, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which are told them by the shepherds. The shepherd's witness became the people's marvel. And look what it says in verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I find this so interesting. Remember, Joseph and Mary knew the angel's message only because the shepherds told them. Luke doesn't give us a hint that the angels appeared to Mary or Joseph. They've been told the good news. The angel's message shared by the shepherds. And so it shouldn't shock you or surprise you of the new task that you might be assigned. It says, then the shepherds returned and glorifying and praising God for all the things that they'd heard and seen. The shepherds marvel at God's grace and God's goodness because they were allowed to witness a miracle. God sent an angel with a message. The shepherds believed the message by faith and then responded in obedience to that message. That's really the Christmas story. The shepherds remind us of the nearness of God, the thoughtfulness of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. When I first came to you, I talked about the Christmas traditions you know, it's interesting to me what others do around the world. In Iceland, they publish more books per capita than any other country in the world. The people love in Iceland to give books as presents to each other on Christmas Eve. In Iceland, they love to read books on Christmas Eve to each other. In Finland, the people spend time in the jacuzzi. Or the sauna, just like some of you will later on. In Norway, people hide their brooms so that politicians won't steal them. No, I'm just kidding. That's not why. They, that's not the reason why. In Finland, they actually believed <laughs> that witches would come into their house and steal the brooms. In France and Germany, children will leave their shoes by the fireplace or the window to be filled with gifts from St. Nicholas. I think that that's why French people and German people have great big feet because the bigger your foot is, the more gifts you get. Christians surprise us with all kinds of traditions from around the world. You know, in southern Louisiana, where my family is from at Christmas time, they would light great big bonfires so that 
Santa Claus would know how to get to your house. I think it's interesting that Jesus on the night that he was born appeared to a group of not just outsiders, but even outcasts. And he continues to show up for people who need him most. Like I said, at our house, we have our own Christmas traditions. You know, when I was dating my wife, I said, what did your family do at Christmas time? And my wife said, we would unwrap tamales. <laughs> and I would say, why would you do such a thing? And she said, it's a tradition. And I would say, I think it's just because you want to have something to unwrap on Christmas morning. And she laughed. Some of you will go home tonight and you'll do the thing that your family does or maybe tomorrow. But our tradition, we come here, we sing songs, and we repeat the message. And then for my grandchildren, I share a poem that Papa wrote. Twas the night before Christmas in David's hometown. The city was crammed with people pressed down. Joseph and Mary searched seeking some room, her belly so swollen, a child in her womb. Pilgrims were piled on top of each other, flesh pressing flesh, children, fathers and mothers. With patience and prayer, the couple conceded personal privacy was desperately needed. The innkeeper sighed and said, we're unable to provide a shelter, just this simple stable. And surrounded by cattle and goats in a manger, Things continued to worsen and soon got stranger. When all of a sudden contractions they came, muscles contorted and twisted in pain, both mother and father were weeping and crying the pain and the horror. She felt she was dying, but she pushed. And she pushed. And a baby did come, a beautiful baby, a beautiful son. And she wrapped her new baby in swaddling clothes and remembered the name the angel had chose. His name will be Jesus, the Savior of all. Emmanuel, rock, redeemer, recall. And voices were heard from angels on high proclaiming God's word from Bethlehem's sky. And the angels appeared to the shepherds by night, attending their flocks, beheld the great sight. Glory to God in the highest and goodwill toward men, a savior, redeemer, deliver from sin. And the child who was dressed in the swaddling clothes, he listened and listened to the praise and the prose from the cries of his mother and the songs that were sung glimpsed into the future. A cross where he hung and the prophets and poets and pundits and people all crammed into churches and pews in their steeples would listen to preachers and point to the stories about saving grace and all of God's glories. But who would have guessed on the night before Christmas that most of the world would have certainly missed us because Jesus, oh Jesus, is nowhere in sight as the day in the darkness slips into the night. On the night before Christmas, 
in a freshly swept stable. The blood and the sweat and the cries, if we're able, we miss the whole point of what we have done, the need for a savior, the need for a son. So perhaps on this Christmas, we'll remember what's real. We'll remember the purpose. We'll remember the deal of why Jesus came to an earth such as ours to deliver our souls in this fateful hour. And so when you, your Christmas comes with great cheer, remember your soul. Remember, my dear. Remember the Savior who came in the night and remember your sin as it slips out of sight. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Merry Christmas. Let's stand.